It's another episode of Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Movies You Should Love podcast. I'm Lauren and with me is... Scott. And uh, it's a new year, it's a new uh, time for a new episode. It's a new um, podcast. It is. Well, it's really the same podcast. Uh, this is, uh, yeah, it's been going on a couple, couple what, two or three years here, so this is exciting. Yeah. So, uh... I mean, in all, in all honesty, I really didn't expect us to have lasted this long. <laughs> no, and I mean, it's, we we know it's been a little bit sporadic at times, and uh, man, yeah, life got really, really busy for the both of us last year. Um, yeah, at the end of twenty thirteen, like twenty thirteen was kind of a crap year uh, at the for that, the most part of it. It kind of ended in some good ways. It ended fantastically for our family. Um, we finalized our adoption of uh, our little girl. And that happened at the very end of uh, in mid end of December ish, and so but our lives were just kind of wrapped up in that as well as uh, my Kickstarter and a bunch of other things, and so now we are back in a place where we can get back to some semblance of a schedule. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you know we'll uh, we'll be back at it here in the new year. Um, as always, you can join in the conversation with us on our Facebook, facebook.com slash movies you should, or on our Twitter, movies you should, or on our website, movies you should love.com. And I want to I, I take this quick moment just to thank everybody who um, has been continuing to find us, who has been continuing to post things um, despite our um, lack of updating with a new episode. People continue to find our Twitter feed, our Facebook page, and they are contacting us and saying things and kind of throwing their two cents in about movies that they're watching and i love it yeah no it's great this conversation going yeah it's it's very great and um we will you know we are dedicated this year to to continuing the excellence uh somehow so (laughs) (laughs) that that should be our slogan we need to make sure continuing the excellence somehow we'll make a shirt <laughs> or not as the case may be somebody yeah. out there make a shirt for us on the front say continuing the excellence on the back parentheses somehow somehow <laughs> <laughs> all right well today we are going to talk about number 66 on afi's top 100 list raiders of the lost ark the yes. the movie that introduced us to indiana jones and uh didn't introduce us to nazis but certainly yes. <laughs> helped helped uh upheld them into really like the forefront of evil baddie yeah we don't like those guys yeah um you know they steal antiques right (laughs) like like yeah um anyway but before we get to that Mm -hmm. uh this has been movie season we have been inundated not only with like christmasy gifts and new year's resolutiony things but we've also had tons of movies that have been available for the watching and uh, like good movie buffs, Scott and I have been doing quite a bit of the watching. So, as much as we can. Yeah, we were yeah. just talking about before we started recording, there's still a lot of movies in the theater right now that we haven't seen. So many and movies! And we were chomping at the bit to get back to the movie theater so we can watch more of them. Yeah, but instead we're doing this podcast, so you should uh, feel thankful for us. Really. <laughs> Be thankful. <laughs> um, so what have, you, what have you seen, Scott? Um, man, okay. Uh, I'm going to start with... Uh, Frozen, this, the most recent Disney animated film that came out. Um, just a wonderful movie. It was a movie that uh, Kelly and I, we, we had a free night to ourselves. And uh, we were like, what should we go see? We, we pulled up the list and we both kind of went frozen. Um, and we were interested in it for a myriad of reasons. We're big fans of the, of the whole Disney 
company and this movie is kind of a continuation of a, a really cool theme that we're seeing disney explore which kind of started with pixar's brave which is um, a really strong female character or uh, female driven movie that um doesn't necessarily revolve around a love story or in the case of frozen it uses the love story to further uh, it, it, how do I phrase this? There's a it, we're introduced to a love story very early on in the movie, but then we quickly realize it may not be all that it appears to be, and the characters define themselves not by who they love or who loves them, but by who they are and what they can do. Um, and it's fantastic. Um, Kristen Bell and Adina Menzel are the voices of these two sisters, and it takes place in this wintry landscape. Um, the music is wonderful. The the writers of the of this musical they're the same people who wrote the music for Avenue Q and I think the Book of Mormon, and so it has a really just fun, bouncy quality to the music, and full of laughs. And it's the, just the, it's the kind of movie that I can't wait to show my little girl and be like, look, here are two princesses you can choose from, and I would have no problem with her choosing either one of wanting to be like because they're not like ariel who you know sells her soul and changes her <laughs> loses her own voice and changes her body so she can you know appeal to a man who she's never allowed to speak to so that movie's problematic but frozen is not <laughs> uh yeah speaking of uh problematic um <laughs> I, I don't know that's a segue of some sort um uh, this is maybe a little late coming to the game on this one because it's been out for quite a while, but Gravity um, is one mm-hmm. that I saw a while ago. I, I can't remember if I've talked about it on this podcast before, um, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it other than to say that it's probably my favorite movie that I saw la- this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't seen it and it's still playing near you, go see it. It's it's truly an experience to see it. It's not just a movie. It's a full experience to watch it. And uh, man, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it's one of those movies that I really regret. It's not in any of the theaters around here. It may travel, cheap- Scott, travel! <laughs> it may show up in our cheap theater here in the next week or so. We're in that weird place where it's like, it's still recent enough that it should be in theaters, but it's not. But it's not on DVD or Blu-ray, which means it may show up at the cheap theater. <laughs> and if it does, I will be there. Yeah, um, it's, it's, yeah. It, it's amazing. So, um, yeah. Uh, continuing on this problematic segue, <laughs> I want to talk about Argo, a movie I expected to like a lot more. Ah, um, there's a lot of. Here's the thing, I was watching the movie and I was blown away by it. Um, but uh, it felt really self-congratulatory. It really felt like, hey guys, movies can save lives. Remember that next time you go to the theater. <laughs> We're Hollywood. We save lives. <laughs> lives, I'm telling you. Don't pirate films. We save lives. <laughs> it's like, cause it, I was on board until like it was weird. Like at the end, like the last couple minutes of the movie where they're kind of doing like a montage and they're showing like the kid's bedroom of all the Nick toy action figures that he has, it suddenly turned into like this movie I kinda went, Oh. And it left a weird taste in my mouth. I don't know. Like that being said, there's nothing wrong with the movie. It's expertly crafted. It may be Ben Affleck's best film that he's directed. It's awesome. But something about the end of it just made me kind of feel like, oh, this this is why it won all the awards. Of course <laughs> it's going to win that because it's kind of patting itself on the back of how important not just this movie is, all movies are. It was weird. I don't know. I I, I didn't like it as much as I 
thought I would. Interesting. That very different take on it <laughs> than what I had. Uh, but that's okay. That's why we... Uh, no, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, Great to be back. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, uh, Saving Mr. Banks. That's something we have both watched yeah. here Thinking recently. Of movies about making movies. Yeah. Um, this is the recent movie about uh, Walt Disney working with uh, Pamela Travers mm-hmm. to make... Uh, the new Mary, or not the new Mary, the, to make, make Mary Poppins. Yeah, to, uh, the, yeah, the original Mary Poppins. The struggle to make to make that adaptation right. of the book into the the beloved film that we all know and love. Yes, um, uh, I went and saw this over the Christmas holiday with my parents and with my wife, mm-hmm. and it was fantastic. Yes, um, it is. <laughs> it is some of Emma Thompson's best work. As yeah. an actress, uh, I mean, she's just amazing in it. Um, she she managed to play this character who is both somehow kind of a horrible person, mm-hmm. while at the same time being completely relatable and vulnerable and sad mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. completely empathetic. And what was interesting to me was... I- I didn't expect it to be so much about her life. Yeah. And that's the thing that I don't, they're really kind of keeping out of the, the trailers for this movie yeah. is that maybe a third to a half of the movie takes place in her childhood. Yeah. Um, seeing kind of the life she had and why she escaped into the Mary Poppins character and how she created that character and, how, and why she's the person she is now. Right. Why she is as guarded and, possibly cold to people as she is so protective of her you know uh intellectual property and the kind of the whole thing it's it's yeah. it's, it's an amazingly deep sort of movie that and, and colin farrell playing her dad was just oh. mar- wonderful he was just marvelous he's, he's like watching him play with her i kind of was like that's the dad i want to be until he gets into his drunken stupors yeah but like just like he was just there for his family especially for his children and that was it was just a cool and it all takes place in Australia, and you're just like, I did not know this was part of this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's um, that's the thing. It's 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 a beautiful movie. It's um, I think the trailers maybe make it look a little more lighthearted, and mm-hmm. um, I don't want to say family friendly because I think it's a very family friendly sort of movie. Yeah, um, but, but I think I, they, I think take the kids to it because the kids are probably be bored by it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean they make it look like it's going to be kind of a rollicking good time, and it's it's not a rollicking good time kind of movie, but it's an amazingly good movie. There's nothing bad about it it's just it deals yeah. with real life and real struggles and mm-hmm. um in in a very powerful sort of way where uh, I, I loved it um the you know the other thing that i would say about it is that i think there have to be probably dozens upon dozens of great stories about walt disney out there mm-hmm. um i mean a man who builds you know walt disney land and um who creates the first feature-length animated cartoon and, uh, you know, starts all of these television things. Like, there have to be amazing stories about each one of those aspects of his life. Um, And I would watch Tom Hanks in each of those movies for, like, years to come. one of the two complaints I had about the movie, actually. Okay. One is, I never stopped seeing Tom Hanks. Um, I kind of wish they found some like a, a, a no name or somebody from the, the theater that we're not so familiar with. I never didn't see Tom Hanks with a mustache, like, and I don't. I and maybe I don't know Disney enough. Maybe I don't know 
Walt well enough, but I never felt I didn't feel like there were any mannerisms of Walt's that made Tom Hanks disappear. That being said, I don't know who else could do it, and especially in that that one nitpick I have aside, the later scenes when. Uh, Walt goes to London to talk to her. Bears I don't know if anybody soul. else could have done that. Yeah, it was so perfect. Like, and it was, it was like it. It, it takes somebody of that kind of gravitas and history in acting and everything to be able to stand up against Emma Thompson, but also to just his own performance. Tom Hanks is perfect. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> At the same time, it's like it was weird thinking of him as Walt Disney. I was like, huh. The other thing was they. It was it was kind of funny and kind of you know it's kind of what I expected from the movie is when you she starts objecting to like from the get go I do not want Dick Van Dyke in this movie it will not be a musical there will not be she makes all these statements like this 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 will not be in the movie but we don't see the moments we don't see how they convince her otherwise mm-hmm. like it's, it, it's I guess maybe it's almost played as a joke for us the knowing audience that goes oh well we know Dick Van Dyke's in the movie that's funny she doesn't like Dick Van Dyke oh that's funny she doesn't like this but and maybe that's not important maybe it's once she gives the the go ahead to make the movie they can make the movie they want and so we know Dick Van Dyke's in it we know uh, the dancing penguins are in it we know all these things but she makes all of these really strong statements and we never see her recant any of those mm. and I I kind of wish we did I kind of wish we had seen her come around to some of those ideas though historically I do know she never did come around to certain things and she never did like a lot of the adaptation mm. to the point of she never let Disney adapt any of her f- other books well and like to the point where they're doing the uh, the stage musical the Broadway musical now right. like no one from the original production including you know the Sherman bro- well I guess brother who is alive yeah. still now um, like they're not allowed to work on it like right. she, she's dead and like it's in her will and everything like no one from the original yeah. production can yeah. touch anything a, uh, and on that note if you guys get the chance to see the musical in the theater do it kelly and i went and saw it down uh down in atlanta down at the fox theater and it was such a spectacularly good time um it's it's fascinating to see how you can adapt the, the, the theater adaptation is closer to the book than the film is, but they still use a lot of the same music that you know and love. Um, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious in there, Spoonful of Sugar, um, Let's Go Fly a Kite, but it's told in a different way, and the songs come out in a different sort of way, and they, they pull off some literal stage magic where you just mm-hmm. go, how did they do that? I have no idea how they did that. That's wonderful, and it's live and in front of you. Um, so yeah, those are my two little nitpicks that, which really aren't. I mean, it's not to slam the movie in any way. It was just like I, I was kind of hoping to see her recant some of those things, or, or to give in to some of those things. And you never really do. You just kind of see her being really, you know, stern and like, no, 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 this will never be in the movie. And we're sitting there going, well, it is. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, I think you're probably right. Is that I think as they workshopped it, you know, they're in the studio with the recordings and everything. I, my guess is that she they didn't sway her on very much. Yeah. And it it wasn't until she gave just like signed the approval that they could do that they, they could made, do they made the movie they, they made, wanted to yeah. make. I did love that when like when she cuz she like she demands that they record all the sessions. As soon as I saw that, I leaned over to Kelly I go, "I want to hear 
every single one of those recordings <laughs> and you get to hear one of them as the credits play which i loved but like if they if they could ever release that like as a as a book like oh. an audiobook i would listen to that i just i want to listen to this because like i love the sherman brothers and her going back and forth in this movie and which is another thing the supporting cast on this movie is amazing it's phenomenal like paul giamatti showed up and i'm like i didn't know he was in this yeah um, bradley whitford um bj novak yeah. it's just like it's just this huge and, and wonderful like, cast and they they're all actors you know and they all just kind of nail these great mm-hmm. character parts that are just wonderful mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that was that was absolutely a, a fun surprise out of the movie as well absolutely agree very cool uh i want to talk about the hobbit the desolation of smog let's do it which up until last year i called the desolation of smog i had no idea i was mispronouncing it my entire <laughs> life um okay i really expected to not like this movie um I, it there's i had a couple of things going into this movie one is um this was I, I got glasses last year for the first time in my <laughs> life and um kelly and i were here i finished a video project i was like we have the afternoon let's go catch a matinee let's go see the hobbit it plays in 15 minutes and we ran and we smuggled taco bell into the theater and as we as we get there i'm like two for the 115 please and they're like oh that's the imax 3d i was like oh so it's not really a matinee now now all of a sudden it's a 13 dollar ticket that's fine fine we can do do it also i'm holding the glasses and i go oh this is what everybody's been talking about and i was like do i take my glasses off and wear the 3D glasses, or to put the 3D glasses on over it. And so I realized I need to put them on over my glasses. And I was like, well, this this is going to suck. This experience is going to be the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so there was, I had that. Then there was um, the first Hobbit movie kind of wasn't my favorite movie in the world. It wasn't terrible, but I kind of, at the end of it, I went, maybe I don't like fantasy. I don't like Game of Thrones, and I didn't enjoy this. So maybe fantasy is just not my thing. And... So I kind of went into it going, I need, but this is a movie I have to see in a theater. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see it. Um, the other, the other thing going against it is I have a bad experience. I think with Lord of the Rings in the theater, I own the extended editions on Blu-ray, and we love them. We watch them at least once a year. I love the world of Middle Earth, but like the Two Towers kind of bored me in the theater like i remember at the end of the movie just like wanting the the nazgul dragon to eat frodo just so it could be over with it <laughs> i'm like dude eat him sam you jerk you pushed him out of the way this movie could have been over um and it wasn't until the extended edition came out that i really appreciated the movie because i felt i think the 45 minutes they cut out of that movie makes it yeah because when you cut those 45 minutes out it is just a lot of running around um so <laughs> i went into this movie with some baggage low expectations one might say yes thoroughly enjoyed it thoroughly thoroughly like i i walked out and went that was really good Hmm. (laughs) um and so i also have to review this movie uh as someone who has not read the books i know that's there's been some controversy around this specific movie um because a big portion of it apparently does not appear in the movie i mean in the book in any way um i don't know about that what i do know is that peter jackson has managed to craft a very entertaining second chapter in a trilogy that probably shouldn't exist that's the other thing (laughs) it's like i still have this grudge against the fact that we have these uh (laughs) we've took one fairly short book and turned it into a, a, a trilogy um really really good 
it's it's a very strong action-packed movie um, from beginning to end. It really it doesn't really ever let up. Um, so I don't know how that is with matching the tone of the book, um, but it kind of begins and the hobbits, the hobbits, the dwarves, and the one hobbit are on the run, and we have a big action sequence in the forest with spiders that is terrifying and needs to be cut from the movie because <laughs> it's spiders and they're huge. Like, like if you think of like uh, Shelob and Return of the King, like times that by ten, and they're just everywhere because they're these huge spiders, and it's just, yeah, um, and it just it keeps on going. There's a couple things about this movie though that that still kind of that do rub me the, the wrong way, and it's not terrible. It's just like it's a stylistic dis- choice I think of Peter Jackson's, and that is almost everything is computer animated at this point. Like, even the orcs, which I don't completely understand. Um, Since they weren't in the first movie. Right. Um, like, the the big bad guy in the first movie was that white orc, and he mm. was computer animated. And they introduced a new bad orc, who's also computer animated. And all the orcs, until like the first, I would say, 90% of the time, they're they're animated. And then there, there's, a, there's a fight at the, the, the lake town and all of a sudden they're not animated anymore because you can tell and one of them gets captured and is taken to the king who's the pie maker from um pushing daisies and um (laughs) that work isn't animated but it's weird because you're watching and it's really good computer animation i mean it is solid but it's computer animation like you can you can just when you see that guy and he's making faces that kind of remind you of smeagol and golem and then you turn and you see this other guy who's clearly an orc in like in the costume. Mm. They're just different. They're just they're completely different looking. And I don't understand why that is. And like I, I don't know. I feel like an old man, <laughs> kind of going. Well, I don't understand why this is. <laughs> but I kind of don't because it's like no, they I, don't ever really do anything that would demand them be animated. They're big dudes, but they're not. They're also not giving performances that would require you know. Shakespearean actors to play them. Well, this is kind of how I felt because I haven't seen the newest one yet. Mm-hmm. You know, this this uh, part two of three yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how I felt very much about the first movie. Is that it was very um, it was unnecessarily animated. Yeah. Um, and in ways that. It felt like it was trying to recreate almost Fellowship of the Ring, mm-hmm. um, kind of you know scene by scene. Uh, we, I mean, we talked about this a lot in, in our episode about that. But I mean, you know, yeah. it it's you know you meet up in the Shire and then you go and you've got an encounter with uh, you know things and then you've got the the big bad orc mm-hmm. that's chasing you and the you know yeah. and it's it's stuff like that. But what I what I didn't understand in that first movie, and part of my hesitation in going to see this one, I, I will see it uh, definitely. But mm-hmm. it, it hasn't been top of my list to go see because I had enough reservations after seeing the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, is that it feels unnecessary to me at this point? Like it's it's almost like spectacle is getting in the way of storytelling, and and or or that spectacle has grown so large that we're forgetting to kind of humanize it or to ground it in in any form of reality and i and i don't know why 
I don't know why we can't use humans or why we can't do certain things practically that maybe I think, ground the the feeling of the movie into something that feels a little bit uh, man I hate this a lot of people say things like you know refer to it as video games or that kind of thing and it's it's not quite that but it's there's that element yeah. of of it's just it's <laughs> it's it, it is interesting our video games are becoming more cinematic and our cinema is becoming more video game yeah um and but I think you I think you're kind of you're you're circling around an idea here and what and I think it's kind of telling because the most compelling character in this movie for me this this afternoon was a a, a an elf named Tariel, um played by Evangeline Lilly who apparently does not appear in the Hobbit books at all mm-hmm. is not even in the um, she's not in any of Tolkien's writing he's completely fabricated for this movie. But there's something going on behind her eyes. Hmm. Like, there's a real human interest there. Like, I was... Like, she shows up, and she could very easily be the, the Liv Tyler of this trilogy. And you're like, okay, that's fine. You have to... That's fine. But she immediately becomes interesting. And more so than anybody else in the movie. Like, she... And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just... the but she felt more human than everybody else, mm-hmm. <laughs> even like the people that you know. I, I'm rooting for Bilbo, and I, I, I Martin Freeman's great in this movie, but it is interesting. I mean, that's like we walked out, and Kelly goes, "I think I could have cut thirty to forty minutes out of that movie." I'm like, "Oh, absolutely!" Mm-hmm. And now that I've seen it, like there's a forty-five minute sequence, I would say, with Smaug. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. For the, it's worth the price alone to see this huge dragon on the screen. See, but to me, that's that's like a proper use of technology. Right. That's right. like, to me, that's like that's what I paid money. That's the spectacle I want to see. Right. And see, and, and that's what I said. I think seeing that sequence mm-hmm. and seeing it play out in the very drawn out way that it does. I'm I, I didn't time it, but I'm guessing it's a thirty to forty five minute sequence. Seeing that play out that way, I said. Okay, you couldn't have told the Hobbit in one movie. Mm-hmm. If we, for this sequence alone, I would have been okay with a two-parter. Mm-hmm. You know, I still feel like I could go back to the first Hobbit movie and cut out a big chunk of it, mm-hmm. and then come to this second movie, cut out a big chunk of it, and then tack on the rest of the story that we're going to get in the third movie, and make two really strong mm-hmm. movies. That's like a two-part Hobbit. Because I, again, I haven't read the book. But from my understanding, we have very little left of the story yeah. <laughs> by the end of this second movie. Like, the movie ends with Smaug flying out of his cave and Bilbo going, what have we done? Cut to black. Yeah. My understanding is basically Smaug goes and gets shot by an arrow at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like looking at that. Spoilers. Going, Sorry. It's a 50 year old book. <laughs> okay. Um, um and I'm wondering how they're going to fill three hours. Yeah. You know, because well, I, I know it's going to be a two and a half to three hour movie. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, man, there's a lot of spectacle. There's a lot of, so, there's something going on here that's not necessarily story. Mm-hmm. Because if we were concerned about telling this story, we would have done it in six hours. We would have done it in five hours and not nine. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, um, again, going back to the first movie, you know, the, the parts that stand out to me, are mm-hmm. there's the opening sequence um not the opening opening sequence but the opening sequence in the shire right with the dwarves showing up the dwarves show up yeah and specifically they sing 
Right. And that, that, that whole moment is haunting, and you capture the essence so good. of everything. And it's all about character, yeah. and it builds everything. I remember that. Um, there's something about, like, a poop-covered magician in a wood somewhere. Yep. There's, He's back in the second movie. You know, there's... Um, random eagles who show up and stuff at the end. Um, who don't fly them to Mordor. And then there's a wonderful, wonderful sequence uh, with Bilbo facing down Gollum over the yeah. ring. Yeah. And, like, that's the other big sequence. And both of those are character-driven, small moments. Yeah. And that's what you remember. You don't really remember details about what happens in the 30 minutes of, like, mine cars running around as... Um, and there's a little as, bit of that. There's a... This movie know, the Goblin has, King. I, w- I would say this movie has more memorable sequences. Yeah. Like, it starts off, and there's a spider attack, and it's terrifying. They get out of that. They get taken to the elves' forest town, and they get thrown in prison. And then they escape in a bar- an awesome barrel ride down the river. Even though I could tell they shot some of it on GoPro, I was okay with it. <laughs> that might just be me as a GoPro owner going, I know that footage. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a great sequence. It's just a fantastic sequence. And then they get out of the barrels, and then they are being smuggled into another town where they run into Stephen Fry from QI. And um, <laughs> he says, Welcome! <laughs> It made me think of his show. If you guys aren't watching QI, you should. Um, not that you can get it in the U.S. No. Um, not that I'm advocating piracy in any way. But um, so there's that sequence. And then there's the Smaug sequence. Like there's, And by putting those together, you basically have the movie. And it's great. I mean, it, it really was a fun time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually has me excited for the third movie, even though I have no idea what they're going to do for two and a half hours. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm intrigued yeah. to see it. I've just, I've just had worries about it. I the guess. other thing is that I, I felt, is, I think that Peter Jackson's doing, I think is a little heavy-handed, is he's definitely setting up the Lord of the Rings movies. Like, Sauron is in this movie. Physically, literally, Sauron is in this movie. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Like, they go and they find him and uh, Radagast, the mm-hmm. other wizard. They find Poop the uh, yeah, uh, the seventh Doctor. They uh, they uh, <laughs> they find the grave where the Nazgul's were. Like they find like where the nine human king people have broken out of their tombs. Mm-hmm. So they've been resurrected, and they are I guess being turned into witch kings as we speak. So it's like there's a lot of setup for this other story, and it's 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 giving the movies a prequel feel to it that doesn't necessarily have to be there. Yeah. I, which is also strange to me. I, I have a feeling the third movie is going to be not unlike the opening 10 or 15 minutes or whatever it is of Fellowship of the Ring that kind of right. only stretched out into like feature movie form <laughs> right. somehow. Like, I, I would not be shocked to see that. Yeah. And so, again, it's like, if you guys haven't seen it, I would definitely recommend seeing it in the theater if you can. There's there's sequel like, Smaug again is worth the price alone. Like the, the the design of the character, the performance of the of this dragon is just phenomenal. Um, but there, yeah, there's, there's those little moments that just I, still as a as a fan of film and as somebody who reads a book and tries to figure out the best way to adapt it, I I do have to kind of question New Line Cinema or Peter Jackson's approach to this particular property. From a creative standpoint, from a money making from a money making standpoint, they are Makes doing one heck of a job with it. Oh, so. absolutely! And I mean, that's but that's 
maybe that's just the artist in me and not the businessman inside of me that that it makes me a little bit sad that they made this movie for money (laughs) well because i think that is one of the things is like you watch the appendices on the first uh on the the lord of the rings trilogy Mm -hmm. stuff and like you can tell everyone involved from peter jackson on down to every single actor and like stunt person and caterer yeah. and you know every single person they interviewed like this was like a passion they, they couldn't believe they, they were making this movie they yeah. loved being a part of it yeah and you still get that sense a little bit less but i don't know if that's just because you know this is the fifth in a series of movies yeah um it it, it definitely feels more like a peter jackson film and that's the other thing it's still super violent <laughs> for a pg-13 movie there's an astonishing amount of decapitations well turns out you can get away with a lot as long as you use black but, blood but it's amazing though because like i know we i know people talked about it with the the first trilogy that you would see the black blood you see the decapitations there's that one there's a decapitation in which the head hits the camera <laughs> like an orc gets gets decapitated and the head goes thump, and leaves like a little black smear on the camera on the camera and you're just like, holy cow, you guys! And like, there's like, it happens multiple, multiple, like, like, not even hiding it with an edit. Like, oh, his head got cut off. Like, multiple on-screen decapitations hmm. where they're not even trying to hide it. They're like extra splashes in the water because there's more body parts falling in the water this time. <laughs> you're like, wow, you wow. guys, calm down. <laughs> this is PG-13 still. <laughs> Uh, well, sorry. Well, speaking of rating systems, Scott, uh-huh. let's let's segue into uh, the movie that precursed the movie that brought about rating system changes. Oh, okay. <laughs> what movie did we watch? Oh no, we already talked about this. Is not yet rated. What are we doing? No, uh, I, I was trying to do the the most awkward it, segue ever. Um, we should accomplished. Excellent. No, uh, let's uh, let's get to our AFI film here. Um, yeah, number sixty six on the AFI top one hundred. Yep, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes, nineteen eighty one, which was a great year. I was born, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, directed, I was nearly born in eighty one. Yeah, directed by Steven Spielberg, so it doesn't count as what you're saying. I was born in eighty. I was there. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, Harrison Ford, Karen Allen, <sighs> Gimli. John Reese Davies, yeah. yeah. Gimli's in the movie in <laughs> Hobbit as a picture. It's really it's really a funny, fun little because I didn't realize Gimli's dad is part of these dwarves and then Legolas like snatches a locket from one of them. He's like, uh, who is this disgusting whelp? They go, That's my wife. Oh, uh, and what is this mutant? That's my son, Gimli. He's like, uh <laughs> And it's Legolas. I'm like, I approve of this moment. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh but yes. <laughs> So uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I, yes. I told you before we started recording. I don't know if I can objectively review this movie. Yeah, like, I adore the Indiana Jones movies. I've 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 said I haven't always said I've said it ever since the fourth movie came out. Even a bad Indiana Jones movie is better than most movies. <laughs> yeah. Um. E- even as even as much as yeah, uh, that was the thing about uh, Crystal School is like it was definitely not a good movie right and yet somehow i thoroughly enjoyed it while also feeling horrible about it <laughs> still yeah enjoying it while going what are you doing <laughs> like you're you're ruining this but it's still okay because it's indiana jones right i don't know that's it's, it's, it's a somehow, weird somehow this is all still working yeah even though 
just is not working. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I, I do have to say, Raiders of the Lost Ark, I think watching this again, mm-hmm. I was very impressed by it. Um, it holds up very well. It holds up incredibly well. It's it's um, very classic style filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, like today we're, we're really used to like either these huge, huge extravagant set pieces mm-hmm. or um, like shaky cam, uh, like up close and personal fighting and right. stuff. Raiders of the Lost Ark is a stunt movie, which is right. a thing that we don't have anymore. We don't have right. stunt movies anymore. We have spectacle and we have actors fighting so you can't really show stuff um right and this is kind of a movie that's built all around let's create these really cool human-based stunt pieces right while there's nazis and snakes right and like that's kind of the point and it's just like a dude surviving all of this cool stuff and like every shot you know exactly what's happening the whole time yeah it's it's just a classic storytelling kind of movie it really is. And it's it's very pulpy, very um you know, far fetched, beyond belief, which is mm-hmm. fine because you're you know, you you get this uh you know, lost arc that has magical properties and stuff. So it's yeah. not really intended to be taken seriously, and yet it's so much fun. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, this is how I've always felt about it though, and so maybe it's colored somehow through my perception of enjoyment. Well, <laughs> yeah, and, and the story, from my understanding, is uh, Spielberg wanted to make a James Bond movie and not make a James Bond movie. Like, I don't, I don't know if it... I don't remember if he was approached to make a Bond movie or if he had, he had kind of thrown his hat in the ring, like, I would like to direct one of these, and it didn't work out, and so he turned to his buddy George and was like, let's make a movie like James Bond that is not James Bond. And so, basically, that's a action stunt movie that takes you all over the world and george is like i've always had this idea that from these you know, i love these serialized heroes of the 40s what if we did a modern take on that 40s action serial mm-hmm. and indiana jones was born yeah and uh, to me this is kind of one of those things it's like it's kind of like the original star wars i mm-hmm. think only uh, better only better i would actually say um but it's kind of one of those things where I think just all of the elements come together perfectly. It's like yeah. it's like you've got your Harrison Ford, um, who could have been Tom Selleck, but wasn't, thank goodness. Um, <laughs> right. You know? yeah, Tom, yeah, Tom Selleck couldn't do it because he was doing Magnum P.I. at mm-hmm. the time. You know, um, couldn't shave off his mustache. Right. So, um, you know, Harrison Ford showed up, at, you know, and, and is perfect. John Rhys-Davies is, like, the perfect character in this. Mm-hmm. Nazis is, like, they could have chosen anybody to be the bad guy. It could have been, like, some weird Smirsh organization or... Right. But they managed to choose Nazis, which was the perfect bad guy. Because, well, you don't have to explain it. You don't have to be like, yeah. we, are this, we are these people. We own oil fields, and we want to collect these valuables. It's like, yeah. they're Nazis. Oh, yeah, we hate those guys. We hate them. And, of course they're evil and they're so evil that yeah they're trying to find like all of these occult things and you know whatever they and want more power more power if they, have, if they can harness the power of the gods they would be unstoppable would you know john williams shows up and creates one of the most iconic pieces of music in the history of music yeah. um you know it's it's just it's one of those it's one of those things where everything you know the writing you know snakes i hate snakes um you know everything comes together it, it's it's it, yeah um 
the the character of Indiana Jones is so great too because and, and it's it's the, it's the perfect timing. It's 1981, which means we've just come out of like these new kind of heroes that we're seeing like in movies like The French Connection, all these other movies from the 70s, where you have these gritty kind of gray, mm-hmm. morally gray characters that are real people. So when they get punched, it hurts. When they get shot, they die, and that's who Indiana Jones is. And then they throw him in this over the top action spect- spectacle, you know, where it's like. It's over the top, and there's these huge things that are going on. He's running from huge boulders, but you fear for him and you root for him because when he takes a punch, he takes a punch. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's like, blood. There's you know, like not, yeah. not extravagant amounts, but like it's, no, but he's, he's definitely he's not, in pain. He's not good at what he does. Yeah, he's just the best man for the job. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's a teacher. He's an archaeologist. He really doesn't have any business going toe to toe with Nazi goons. He just he happens to be smart and he happens to know just the right people and things and yeah. you know, arcane knowledge to get through everything. I yeah. mean it's it's almost in its own way, it's a whole genre onto itself. Like uh, It definitely created a genre. Yeah. And um you know, I think that's kind of amazing. And that it was embraced as such a because it could have it could have been you know uh it could have been horrible yeah i think is really the thing it could have if we had started with kingdom of the crystal skull it never would have gone anywhere yeah you know it 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 had the potential you know uh, just like star wars did uh, mm-hmm. which is why i compare because I, I think they're kind of that same sort of thing it's this thing that hadn't really been done mm-hmm. well you know star wars could have turned into the last starfighter you know, it yeah. had it had the possibility yeah. to be that, and if I love the last Starfighter, yeah, but it's but not. You're, you're, but you're absolutely right. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah, you know, and 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 that's what could have happened with Indiana Jones. Yeah, and it didn't. And it's also, I think, it's all it's it's two budding artists combining all the right influences because mm-hmm. you have um, George Lucas, who for be- there's a thousand things you can say about him. The thing I will always say about him is that he's a great ideas person. And so he shows up and goes, remember those heroes from the 40s that weren't superheroes? People that you could root for. And you, there, were, there were cliffhangers at the end of these stories, and you wanted them to live. Let's tell one of those stories. And then Steven Spielberg shows up. And this is the reason that we chose this movie, to follow Lawrence of Arabia. His favorite movie of all time, he says, is Lawrence of Arabia. And you see that style of storytelling, the way he sets up the camera, where you have these really big wide shots that make you believe that Indiana Jones is in trouble because it's not a stunt person. It's Indy. I can see him. He's right there. It's mm-hmm. like It's combining that with his love of all of these other classics. When you watch this movie, I'll reverse that because I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark first. You go back and watch Casablanca and you're going to see Raiders of the Lost Ark in that movie so much. And it's, it's you know, Spielberg taking his love of his own movies, but then also going back and taking, going, okay, we're going to tell a 1940s story. Give me another classic 1940s movie, Casablanca. Yeah, that's my and, favorite one, so let's throw it in here too. What, exactly. what do I when, love about it? Yeah, and you can see the scene transitions, the character beats mm-hmm. being so dyed in the wool of that same kind of movie. I think we talked about that, how Rick could be Indiana Jones, yeah. if not in the world of Indiana Jones. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you know, I, I've always felt that, like, Harrison Ford in that movie is kind of an, an extension of Humphrey Bogart. Like, he's, yeah. you know, they they play a lot of the same character there. Yeah. I mean, they, they both could have handled that, I think. Absolutely. It's, yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know. So it's it's a weird movie though because it is one of those that like I just have a deep founded love for. It's yeah. It's and I don't know if that's because it is such a good movie. Or if it's just because it was one of those movies that caught me at a time that entertained me and captured my imagination. But or if I, it was I, kind of all of that combined. I think it's probably everything you just said. Yeah. Because, like I said at the beginning, I, I don't know if I can objectively review this, but what I can say is it still holds up. Yeah. Where revisiting Star Wars, another movie it trilogy series, well. I love. I mean, like, I have a deep, like, deep love for those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can acknowledge A New Hope does not hold up. Mm-hmm. And people who compare the prequel trilogy to the new tril- to the original trilogy and say it's not as good are looking at the original trilogy through rose-tinted glasses yeah. because they're the same. <laughs> There's, I mean, I, I think Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi probably hold up better than the first Star Wars. But even still, it's like, no, these are products of their time. And we can still love them. But it's time we grew past them. Where I revisit Raiders, and it's like, oh no, I wouldn't want anybody to make this movie any differently today. Yeah. It's got a great cast. Everybody holds their own. There's, there's no wooden dialogue or acting. It's like, it's exactly what it's supposed to be. And it is perfect. There's like so many memorable sequences and great lines, and just everything about it is just nailed it <laughs> you know, yeah. they just nailed it exactly and um i think i think one of the other wonderful things about it is it's also one of those movies that has really good sequels um yeah. uh you know uh temple, I, temple of doom is dark but it's yeah. not bad it's just dark um last crusade is actually my favorite last raiders Cru- may I, I will say raiders may be the best of them mm-hmm. Last Crusade is my favorite. (laughs) And I would actually tend to agree with that. Um, And then uh, Crystal Skull is not so good. Um, It's it's not bad. It's, as you said, it's like, it's, it's, it's it's still incredibly watchable. Um, Yeah, it it still is. And and it's largely due to Harrison Ford. I mean, he is, he is a character. I mean, he's an actor that I don't know if, I mean, I think his role is Harrison, is, is Indiana Jones. It is Han Solo. It it is even the early Jack Ryan films. Mm -hmm. Um, he embodies a certain type of hero that I don't think he's been able to constantly portray. And so I think he kind of suffers sometimes from being miscast mm-hmm. or just maybe not quite having the acting chops of other people. I don't know. Yeah. But that being said, he will always be Indiana Jones. Yeah. And that is a great thing to be because he's a smart, intelligent, educated superhero <laughs> with yeah. no superpowers. <laughs> no, uh, He has a whip. Yeah. He's a Zorro. He's Batman. He's... Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I honestly, I don't have much more to say about this because it's. It's just. It's one of those. It's just so good. Yeah. I think. Um, I feel it's deserving to be on the AFI list. I'm surprised um, it's not higher. I'd be. Yeah, it's <laughs> out of the top 100. It's number 66. Yeah, like on my personal list. I mean, it would be higher than this. Yeah, this um, may be honestly in my top 20. Yeah, it's easily it's really high up there. Um easily in the top 20 so um it won four academy awards as uh, it should be- have yeah uh best uh, i think it was uh best art it was the best set direction best sound best film editing and best visual effects yeah and, th- and th- that is what's interesting too it, it does it, the movies they all definitely kind of raiders created a formula by which all the other indie movies were made you have the damsel you have uh indie you have the artifact and then you have a slightly over the top 
horrific visual sequence at the end by which the bad guy dies. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like they all kind of have this moment at the end where you go, Gah. I will never mistreat ancient <laughs> systems or <laughs> Yeah. I will never treat them poorly. I I'm sorry. Yeah. Um and at the same time, I mean I know we I know we are usually supposed to analyze things like a lot deeper here and stuff, but it's kind of one of those movies that it, it just works. I, I I mean you can get into how they made it, you can get into like shot by shot analysis of the editing and stuff and, and all yeah. of that is there in this movie, which is really cool if you want to do it. And there's there's like really cool um you know, if you get the, the discs of these you know, Blu-ray, there's really cool bonus features that talk about some of this stuff. Um, there's if you get the Lawrence of Arabia DVD, you get some cool stuff from Spielberg who talks about some of these things. All of that is out there, but you don't need that to like this movie. That's the thing. That is that. that that's it in a nutshell. It, it, we could, yeah, we could get into it. Like some of the some of the acting choices different people make. Mm-hmm. Some of the everything. There's there's things that we could pick apart. But what I think is important about this movie, um, and why we should talk about it, is that Spielberg, almost with this movie, with Jaws and this movie, basically created the Hollywood blockbuster that we are still uh, chasing after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all still want, we want the next Indiana Jones, we want the next Jaws, we want the next... Jurassic Park. The next Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want these things, and this is the guy who basically created it. Not mm-hmm. single-handedly, but almost mm-hmm. and so it's to me it's more valuable for us to acknowledge that and then to go back and look at how he did that and look at this movie and kind of note you know the broad strokes that, that characters are painted in or just the fun or the things that are ignored so that we can get back to the fun <laughs> you know it's like there are certain things that they do and it's it's solid storytelling that at this point it's almost i'm not saying we shouldn't pick it apart but it's more almost something to be emulated mm-hmm. <laughs> because of that. I mean, if, you, if you're one of these, if you're, if you're a young filmmaker, um, I think you need to familiarize yourself with the works of, of, uh, I was going to say Shakespeare. Sure. But also the works of Spielberg. Yeah. He is one of the modern masters. Um, people have complained about his recent work. Um, it's still super solid, even when it's maybe, maybe if, even if he is getting a little bit bored with his craft. Um, it's still great, and you watch these movies. Um, I, I, I was going to try to recommend I, when people talk about Spielberg. I always try to recommend movies. Like, yeah, I know you've seen Jurassic Park, but have you seen Empire of the Sun, which is one of my favorites of his? Um, I, so I pulled up the IMDb list to go like, well, let's find something of his that people maybe haven't seen. And honestly, if you pull up the IMDb list and there's a movie there you haven't seen, you need to see it. Yeah, it's basically how it goes. And and honestly, watch them in the order they were made, as close to it as you can. I think yeah. you will see a really cool pro- progression it's of a really the guy. Cool, yeah, you know, evolving. He uses this special effect here, and then he then he furthers yeah. it in the next film, or he experiments it in this direction and that one. It's, but even if, even if you don't, none of. Uh, Everything's good. Like even his, even his worst movies are good movies, right? And it, it, he has such a clear style. He has such yeah. a, and so what's fascinating is like if you start really getting into directorial styles, and when you know, you know, okay, so he really liked David Lean, especially David Lean's um, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, um, and then you see how he he approaches that and how he uses that to tell the stories that he wants and the ways that he wants. It's fascinating to see a movie like AI. Where his style butts heads with Stanley Kubrick's, who he's trying to emulate because he's trying to tell a story that was Stanley Kubrick's, but he wasn't able to tell it, so he's trying to do it, and how it doesn't quite work. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad movie, but like there's these two styles that just 
the, the content there's, doesn't match the style. There's, there's conflict within the storytelling, not within the story, which is right. very strange. And, and, still, and yet, at the same time, weirdly compelling. Right. It's like, still a fascinating movie, yeah. but you're like, this isn't working. Yeah. Why isn't it working? And that that is, you know, really my recommendation from this point, from moving from this point forward is, you know, do that. Also, if we're, you know, we're talking about these guys, and if you know, obviously we're all here because we all love movies. Mm-hmm. Um, look at look at your list of movies that you love. Those your favorite films, the films that you own, or the films that you always go back to. Find out who directed them, and then find out who they like, because there are certain people, you know. Um, Quentin Tarantino just goes like these are the people I love and you know who he likes you know what movies he's emulating with his next film mm-hmm. you see that he just it's out there but there's other people that it's a little bit harder to see like with Spielberg I never thought about it he seems to have such a clear style that is just his that I figured he went to film school and was like well this is how I'm going to make a movie and then, to, and then to watch Lords of Arabia and be like oh this is practically a Spielberg film mm-hmm it's fascinating and just so much fun. And then if you're a filmmaker, then, you know, acknowledge who your people are, the yeah. people that, that inspired you to go where you are and, and then see if there's more things you can learn from. Yeah. Them. You know, everybody who's out there working today has inspirations. It's not, it, this art doesn't happen in a bubble, you know, it's, it's yeah. very much, um, collaboration and inspiration from other sources. And, uh, yeah, definitely find where yours is, find, uh, you'll find really cool films if you start digging into people who you already like into the stuff they like you'll and find stuff you never imagined you would watch and yet at the same time you'll love or you'll find those movies that you may have already seen them you're like he liked that movie why did he I did like, not like that movie yeah. then rewatch it with the, with through those new glasses you know rewatch it going okay so Spielberg liked this movie what did he like about it and you may find the movie a completely different experience yeah uh so anything by spielberg is definitely the next thing to go watch after this <laughs> what are some other movies kind of in this because we said indiana jones kind of recreated a whole new genre that yeah. you know maybe the rko serials of the 30s and 40s yeah. sort of had done uh but here we are uh, what where can people head next other than just uh- a Spielberg movie off the shelf. Right. Um, I mentioned Casablanca earlier. Rewatch it. It's it, it's a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> e- even if you're not watching it because of this, just watch it again. It's it's a fantastic film that you should watch often. I know. I know. We've we've talked about it multiple times on the podcast, but Casablanca. Yeah. Um, movie that I really like, and I don't believe in guilty pleasures. <laughs> um, I believe you should just enjoy your stuff and just be okay with it. Um, so I can say that I really enjoy The Mummy. Uh, the first one, I think that's definitely a franchise that got worse with each installment. About the time uh, that the the CG Scorpion... But the, the rock. CG Scorpion The Rock showed up. He kind of went, okay, we're done. Which, they could probably do that well today, but at the time, not so much. They were they were being daring when they shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, I enjoy the first one. It's silly. It's over-the-top. It's goofy. Um, it's fun. It owes I, just I, about everything to Indiana Jones. It is. It, it is. Somebody sat down and was like, I'm going to write the next Indiana Jones movie with a little bit more comedy in it. And, um, and a little bit more darkness. Yeah, because it, it, it has all of that. It has like it has the, the creepy special effects with the bad guy, and it has, um, you know, the character of Rick in that movie. 
um, played by Brendan Fraser, definitely plays the part for more laughs than Harrison Ford did. But it's written that way. Mm-hmm. And I find it just... It's just a fun popcorn film that I, I, I dig it up every couple of years. I'm like, I'm going to watch The Mummy again. Scarabs? I hate scarabs. Right. Why are they scarabs? Wait, they don't say that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's th- those are... Those are quality recommendations. Uh, a couple others that I would say here. I mean, there's obviously all of the just like the straight up ripoffs of kind of like uh, Indiana Jones. You've got your Tomb Raiders and your National Treasures and that kind of thing. Um, you know, in your video game world, you've got Uncharted and mm-hmm. um, the the best Indiana Jones property. Well, there's two of them really. The two best Indiana Jones properties that are not movie properties. Um, there is an old video game called Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, yeah. which if you have not played it, I believe it's available on Steam right at this moment. So go find it. It's probably like five bucks or something like that. It's worth every penny of it. It's old. It's a point-and-click graphic adventure. If you have no idea what that is, don't worry about it. Go play it. It's an amazing Indiana Jones story where he goes and finds Atlantis, which is truly like the story that you want to see Indiana yeah. Jones do like they were they were looking at when they did the new Indiana Jones movie they were talking about using that script from that and adapting that into the new movie and then they didn't and they went with the weird aliens and stuff anyhow yeah much better script fantastic it's it's an amazing story it's like and you get to play it as indie you you know you get to punch Nazis and stuff it's great um, <laughs> um it's it's brilliant and then the other thing is uh, the young Indiana Jones television series if you missed this when it was on this proved that indiana jones was a character who didn't have to be just harrison ford like now that you knew he grows up to be to to be harrison ford he can he can be anything as a young kid and so because he can be anything they literally let him go and do everything. He becomes the most important character of the 20th century. Of the 20th century. He is there for everything. He meets what, everybody. Like, whether it's helping Edison with, like, early motion pictures and and, and light Fighting the things. Irish Rebellion. Yeah. Like, he's <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's literally in everything. You meet his parents. You meet, you know, you start understanding, like, who Sean Connery was back in the day. Like, it's a really cool show. It stands up really well even today. There's tons of actors. Well, mostly well today. What I, what I, the caveat I would throw in is the best ones are the ones of less young Indiana Jones. Yes. Sean Patrick Flannery plays like 20s Indiana yeah. Jones. The ones where it's like eight-year-old well, Indiana The eight-year-old ones little... don't hold up as well because it's trying to make Indiana Jones a kid. And some of those adventures are interesting but I found that those episodes don't hold up as well, which is interesting because when the when the show first came out, I was like ten, mm-hmm. and those were my favorite. I was always a little bit bored by old Indiana Jones, yeah. no, and then definitely now, the Sean the Sean Patrick Flannery ones are are the yeah. the stronger episodes. But um, yeah. e- even the ones where he's a kid are not bad. They're yeah. just not quite as yeah. So definitely check that. It's it's available at least on DVD. I don't know if they've done any kind yeah. of Blu-ray releases or anything with uh, it. Not that but, I'm aware of yet, but they're all on DVD. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so that's another great thing. Um, uh, just a couple others uh, like the Rocketeer and yes. Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Those are both like really cool, pulpy, um, comic booky, sci-fi, Indiana Jonesy action pictures that mm-hmm. basically owe everything like uh, you know there's there's nazis in both of them and there's right and, and if, if not i mean they're they're not like the 
they're, they definitely owe to they don't I wouldn't say they belong necessarily in the exact same genre as like the Indiana Jones movies but I think they're like Indiana, close cousins right that's what I said like they, they he, he kind of brought back that serialized hero mm-hmm. and so they kind of went, what other pulpy characters are from that time time mm-hmm. uh, that era or characters that we can create and put in that era in that style it, they're definitely that um and the other one you have on this list that I have to also completely recommend is Romancing the Stone. Oh, yes. Which is just a ridiculously fun movie that is very much in this vein. And While at the same time mo- being incredibly of the 80s. That's what's, It's definitely an 80s film. And it's a movie I actually rewatched maybe a year ago, and I did not expect it to hold up. I remember going, I really like this. I remember really enjoying this. I want to rewatch it. It's got Danny DeVito in it and Michael Douglas. And I was like, "This is a good movie." Still, it's like it's a lot of fun. It really is. It's um, yeah. It's it it holds up in a in a kind of a a weird campy '80s sort of way almost. Mm-hmm. It's 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 kind of told like as a steamy romance almost. Right, because the main character is as um, a romance writer, Kathleen Turner. Yeah, and yeah. And so she starts telling this story, and then she kind of gets pulled into her own story, or she becomes the heroine of her own story, and it's yeah nice yeah it's it's pretty good so that's a whole bunch of stuff that you can go watch that all in one way or another owes itself yeah to indiana jones to to uh raiders of the lost ark specifically and yeah uh, maybe maybe if nothing else that alone is a reason for that movie to be on the (laughs) top 100 list yeah I think that wraps us up for uh, this particular episode for our first episode of the new year. Woo! 2014! <laughs> cool. Again, guys, <laughs> you can join us at moviesyoushouldlove.com. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash moviesyoushould. And uh, we're always still on Twitter at moviesyoushould. Indeed. Um, hey! Find us there. Yo! I was just going to say, uh, just as a uh, mention to our listeners, whatever happened with your Kickstarter, Scott? Oh! Funded totally funded um it was great um i mean it's we're working on it now um our goal was eighty five hundred dollars and that would get that's kind of that was the bare bones of what we needed to pay the artists and to uh self-publish the book um we were actually able to reach ten thousand dollars which means that we will be able to make the book a hardcover edition Mm -hmm. which i'm super excited about um mark is busy drawing it and we've recently brought on a new artist uh dean is still coloring it but helping dean is uh rose mclean who's going to be helping in the process she's doing something that uh it's called flatting, which is something I was not familiar with um, before I got involved in this project. But I've done some more research, and it's it's just it's basically step one of the coloring process, where someone will kind of go in and kind of put some flat colors over the whole thing, and then pass it off to the actual colorist, who will then make kind those colors detail the color exactly. Nice. Um, so that's where we're at. We, um, Can I just we, say that uh, you have at least one of the sexiest villains that I have ever seen? <laughs> yeah, so... Um, Agent Small is... Uh, Agent Small, who's... Uh, Lauren helped out the the, 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 uh, the Kickstarter by pledging very generously, which was a wonderful surprise. Uh, but basically, one of the characters, uh, one of the antagonists of our heroes, uh, is going to be based on uh, Lauren's likeness and carry his name. And we've already released that. And uh, you can find it if you go to 
I think it's facebook.com forward slash Phileas Reed, um, or just Google it. Find us on Tumblr. Um, you can find those those images. I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll post it on movies you should love as well. Um, you can find it there. Um, yeah, we'll definitely get the, the link. Him and Agent Wong um, are hanging out together, and we, I've already started seeing pages come back with featuring the two of them, and it is so Excellent. delightful and exciting. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I can't wait to You've see You've been it. immortalized. Woo! <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. I just I figured there might be some people who cared. So um, <laughs> Maybe. I don't maybe, know. maybe not. You know. But uh, we'll, Somebody. Hey, we, we somebody. will, as always, keep you updated on, on all things going on with us and uh, with, with the podcast. And uh, hope you all have a great new year. Um, again, joining conversation, facebook.com slash movies you should, movies you should on Twitter, or movies you should love.com. And we will see you on the next episode. Absolutely. See you soon. You've been listening to the Movies You Should Love podcast. Join in the conversation at moviesyoushouldlove.com. 